You are listening to the Big Blue Rock Pod, produced by the Kentucky Geological Survey at the University of Kentucky. This podcast is a fun, conversational approach to discussing all things geology and earth processes. We talk emerging ideas and research, along with classic topics in earth science for all levels of interest. Let's do the show. Hello, welcome back to the Big Blue Rock Pod. I'm Matt Crawford, along with my co-host, Doug Curl and Sarah Arpin. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. How are we doing? Good. Good. sounding chipper yeah. today. I kind of well, yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're in a new space. Maybe that, that maybe that's it. Could like, be it, it, this awesome room. <laughs> we I had to move so rooms. Weather. There's some, yeah, insane jackhammering going on outside uh, the building. Uh, so we had to move. But it's finally like summer. So it could just be summer. That's true. Yeah, weather is amazing. Um, yeah. I'm also excited about this topic. This is one that has been by popular demand i think for sure it was on the list of topics immediately when we we had this idea of of doing a podcast so the topic today is meteorites and um i was trying to think of what to say about it before we get into it and before we introduce our guest but one thing i i kind of thought of was um you know meteorites are so popular and they're popular, you know, with regard to interest we get from the public here because we're a state geological survey. People are reading about them. They love our publications about meteorites. They bring in samples that they think are meteorites. But at the same time, it's also very understudied. It's just very, hmm. there's not a lot of people doing research on, on meteorites, at least, at, you know, state surveys. I, I can't speak for yeah. all universities, of course. Um, and then, you know, people love meteorites and then when they bring them in, we kind of continually have to disappoint them that <laughs> they didn't have a rock from space. <laughs> They're not meteorites. Yeah. Usually <laughs> most of the time we, we can maybe get into that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but let's introduce our guest. Our guest is KGS researcher, Ethan Davis. Ethan received a, uh, B.S. in geology from here at UK and is currently working on his master's degree here at UK in the Earth and Environmental Sciences Department. Ethan is currently a Paul Potter intern at the KGS, a coveted internship that we started a couple summers ago. So that's cool. Um, before the internship, Ethan actually was employed here at the survey for about five years doing various jobs, some lab and data analysis type jobs. Ethan's been around. He's doing good stuff. Um, Ethan, welcome to the Big Blue Rock Pod. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Why don't you yeah, give us a little snapshot of what, y- what you do? Yeah. So I'm currently a master's student at the University of Kentucky um, with a focus in geology. My uh, thesis research, though, is on um, two meteorites, two um, suspected meteorite finds from the state um, that we can get into that maybe a little bit later. It yeah. might have some overlap with uh, with what we're talking about here. But yeah, I um, used to work for, for the survey before going back to school, um, and I did some work on some research on meteorites here at the survey as well. Was this past academic year first first year, and you're about to start second year? Or That's correct, Okay. Yeah. Who's your advisor? My advisor is Dave Moker. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 
Well, I think I don't know. I think it's I don't know. It's like long time coming for someone doing. Uh, yeah, I was waiting doing for you planet, to ask me. Pl- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that that <laughs> too. Yeah, that, but also <laughs> someone doing planetary geology kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, it was great because Ethan fielded a lot of these. We, they're fairly frequent. Like we'll get people sending photos or their samples, and Ethan did a good job of fielding those yeah. here at the survey. So I think yeah. probably learned quite a bit about meteorites while here. And then it's kind of cool, like taking it on to your yeah. graduate studies. So Oh, that's great. And, and that's, that seems like a great, great way yeah. to do it. And you two kids can study meteorites. Yeah, right. yeah. it's school. possible. <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, Ethan, we like to start out simple here and, and kind of go for the basics. So tell Tell our listeners, you know, we have just millions of listeners. <laughs> well, I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah um, at least one. Uh, but anyway, what, what's the difference between meteors, meteorites, and asteroids? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great place to start. Um, so, um, actually, I'm, I'm going to start with um, something called meteoroids. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, and these are basically space rocks. They're objects um, in the inner solar system. Um, rocky uh, or metallic range in size from um, speck of dust up to a l- equivalent of a large boulder okay and they um, orbit the sun um, they're like earth rocks in some ways um, but in space uh, until they're not <laughs> and then and they're, so they're floating around in orbit in our solar system yes 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 um, now if they enter earth's atmosphere then we call them meteors mm. so uh, if you think of a shooting star um, or a meteor shower, you know, those, those brilliant streaks of light uh, through the night sky, those are meteors. Um, they're traveling so fast, they encounter friction in the upper atmosphere, and they start to burn up and, and leave those streaks. Um, if they survive that violent, fiery trip through the atmosphere and actually land on Earth um, or in our oceans, then we call them meteorites. Yeah. Um, and if we're lucky, we can pick them up and, and, you know, research them and cut them open, see what's inside and all that. So uh, a shooting star is a meteor. A shooting star is a meteor. Um, what's it, what about a comet? Is a comet a meteor? So a comet is um, an icy body in space. Uh, they're smaller than a planet, um, smaller than moons as well. Um, they are found usually in what's called the Oort cloud in um, the distant reaches of the solar system. So um, this is kind of a spherical, hypothesi- uh, hypothesized um, spherical cloud um, beyond the planets um, up to um, a thousand times the distance of uh, Neptune's orbit. Mm. So they can be very very far from the sun um and then sometimes uh if uh, passing stars will pull some of these um, icy bodies out into interstellar space and push some towards um, the inner solar system so when these bodies of ice and dust get close to the sun uh, the heat of the sun and radiation of the sun will melt some of that ice, um, melt some of those frozen gases, uh, and expel some of the dust that makes up these comets. Hmm. Um, and so you'll have 
don't know if you've seen pictures of comets or actually looked at them through a telescope, you'll see um, they have a, a kind of a, a tail, what's it called? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, um, so meteor showers um, occur when Earth's uh, orbit intersects this tail of ice and dust that was outgassed from a comet. And um, huh. yeah, and you'll That's have cool. yeah a bunch of little tiny meteors of, of dust and ice, um, you know, enter Earth's atmosphere as it passes through this tail left by the comet. Cool. I didn't so know that connection actually. I didn't either. Yeah, so like when we have the Leonid. That's what I was about meteor to ask. shower or um, yeah, no, we that's call right. meteor showers. Yeah, I guess. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, and they're at um, you know the same time, about the same time every year because it occurs in about the same place in Earth's orbit every year. Yeah. That is super cool. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Um, but but to be clear, those aren't. Um, Aren't medi- meteorites. Right. Um, Th- um, those would still, I guess, be classified as meteors. They're just whirling around yeah. in orbit. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about asteroids? Is that the Armageddon thing? Yeah. No, asteroids, <laughs> asteroids are <laughs> an, a very important part of the story. So um, asteroids are like comets. They're smaller than planets, um, but they're, um, you know, they can range from um, tens of feet to hundreds of miles across. They're rocky or metallic bodies uh, in the inner solar system, so basically within uh, Jupiter's orbit. Um, mm. Most of them are found in the asteroid belt, which is found between the orbit of Mars and Jupiter. Gotcha. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And say something about age here. Do we, do we have good age constraint? I mean, we're talking millions, billions of years old objects? Yeah, yeah. So the age for of meteorites, we have um, really good numbers for. Um, so most meteorites are aged at 4.6 billion years, which is um, extremely age. old, but that number should also ring a bell for geologists. Yeah, um, age of the Earth. Yeah, age of the Earth. Um, so these things were forming at the same time as our planets in the early solar system. Um, some of them, you know, a little bit before the planets, um, but all these large um, bodies were basically forming at the same time. Um, and we and we know the number through uranium lead dating, which is a um, form of radiometric dating um, for that can be used on very old objects. Yeah, that's um, very accurate and, and pretty precise for when you're dealing with large timescales. Um, that's cool. I, I wanted to step back real quick and just just mention this discipline of planetary geology, which you know a lot of us as undergrads didn't get exposed to planetary geology. Maybe, maybe you didn't take a class. You, you knew it was a thing, right? It was in some of the introductory textbooks, but um, you know it's it it is a thing. Uh, the geological side of America. I notice this every annual meeting I go to as a planetary geology division at the annual meeting. It's a hopping division. They're mm-hmm. you know, like amazing booth and like the yeah, cool swag. Cool yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, they got all the cool <laughs> stuff. And so, and I don't all know, that NASA money. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I don't know, just kind, you know, kind of is my annual reminder that like planetary geology is important yeah, yeah. and it's, it's people are doing stuff. And yeah. 
I went to the University of Tennessee, which had a pretty good planetary okay. program. Okay. A lot of work on Mars. And yeah, they went to these great conferences. And then they would look at all these analog for Martian landscapes around the because you had to go find some remote desert that, you know, mimicked whatever you were seeing mm -hmm. on Mars. So they always went on these great field trips <laughs> to like Namibia or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, this, this, this was a pretty good mm -hmm. deal. Meanwhile, but you're going to a road cut. Yeah. And meanwhile, uh, in Eastern South Carolina. Tennessee. Yeah. Semis fly back. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember in Mike McGlue's advanced photography class, he pulled out some photos, I think, from like the rover. And you're looking at cross bedding and sedimentary structures and trying to figure out how it formed. I thought that was really incredible. And and then, yes, yeah, looking at yeah. that side by side with a photo from Earth, like it's hard to tell the difference of which one's which. Yeah, like, it's pretty yeah. incredible. Really opened my eyes first time I saw that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so some of these meteoroids enter the atmosphere and strike the surface of the Earth. Um, and they can, not always, leave what we call impact craters. Uh, are astroblims another word for impact crater? That's correct. Okay. Yes. So I just got some little factoids here. I'll list a few things, and Ethan, anyone else jump in. Um, from what I saw, there's 190 terrestrial impact craters identified on Earth. Does that sound right? I believe right? that's correct, yes. Um, and I found this interesting. Most of them are in like stable craton areas, so oh, yeah. old rock oh, in sense. old parts of the Earth, Canada, right? Australian Shield, uh, like African Shield. All right, so old stable parts of Earth. Mm -hmm. I guess just because that's preserved. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to say a little bit about like what a craton is, if maybe? That's like a kind of jargon term. I didn't know until I started geology. So like, um, Doug. <laughs> yeah, I think they're the the sort of origins of the continent. So they're the is one way to think about them. So they're sort of the core of the continent. Mm -hmm. So when the continents were first formed, um, they're the rocks that were, you know, the made made the original continents that then moved around through the plate tectonics. But they've been a stuff has been piling up against those cratons, um, you know, for millions and mil billions of years. Um, but there's still some of that exposed in places like Canada, Russia, I think, um, South Africa, right. um, Australia. Very um, old metamorphic very old rock sequences for the most mostly part. Mostly metamorphic rocks. So these are rocks that um, were probably originally um, igneous rocks, so they formed from a melt. Okay. And then, or maybe there were old, very old sediments, but um, they've been heated and mushed together, um, forming metamorphic rocks. So just the age of them is is right. They've been sitting around for a long time, so cool. a lot of stuff has happened to them. But yeah. but there's still still a lot of it exposed at the surface. Um, cool. May I think maybe some of it removed, you know, exposed because of glaciation and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. but but if you told me 190 uh, or to guess the number, I would have guessed way higher. Me too. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> when you look at the moon, but you know, there's a good reason the moon doesn't weather. Yeah, I guess. I was gonna <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was gonna <laughs> men mention that. Right, we weathering and erosion destroys a lot of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. so yeah, so yeah, that's kind of the next thing. So um, 
craters, uh, I think you can classify them as simple and complex. Simple craters, less than four kilometers in diameter, some overturned rocks, bowl-shaped, mm -hmm. maybe uh, yeah. be, would be preserved for the crater. Then complex, more than four kilometers in diameter, distinct central, central uplift. Yeah, so big mound or kind of cone. In the uh, middle? In the middle, yeah. And that's like a rebound structure from impact? That's, that's correct, yeah. Mm. Um, so it hits and then it, and yeah, yeah. you get this rebound? Yeah, it hits. Um, yeah. So on, on these big complex ones, that, uh, me, uh, meteorite hits the earth uh, with an incredible amount of force. Um, it ejects um, a bunch of ejecta from the site, um, depresses the uh, bedrock there, which then responds by rebounding out. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Does that happen immediately or is it? It's a pretty quick time? process. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a water, like you see those slow motion water droplets. <laughs> I was just going to say right. that. Right. Yeah, 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 that's a good, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So the water cool. droplet on the pond yeah. mm -hmm. makes the crater, then the little drop comes up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good analogy. Um, maybe say something about requ requirement, and this can kind of get into maybe some of the Kentucky stuff we're going to get to later, but re requirements for impact craters and determining that's exactly what, what it is. And I guess let's be clear too, not all meteorites create craters, but right now we're just kind of yeah, talking yeah. about um, the ones that do exist. Yeah, so for for the ones that do exist, um, to be classified or, or recognized as a crater um, or an impact structure, um, so you'll need the roughly circular shape. Um, there's usually um, uh, heavily brecciated um, rocks um, inside of the crater region. Um, oftentimes there's a ring of circular faults outside of the central region. Um, yep. And then you have um, a zone of what are called shatter cones. And these are um, the bedrock's response to um, high shock weight or high shock um, mm -hmm. deformation. High intense pressure Very temperatures. Very intense, yeah. yeah. And um, they take the form of well, it's a good name. Shatter cones is a good name <laughs> because they're they're conical in shape and and they're 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 distorted rocks. <laughs> it's almost like a texture in in the rock. Yeah, this kind of cone shaped. Yeah, 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 and it, um, yeah, like almost like a, yeah, funnel or, or cone. Um, we have some examples here, um, our display in the atrium. So there's there's Online, microscopic microscopic evidence that you need, right? Or not you need, but you can have. Shatter cones. Well, shatter mm -hmm. cones you can see with the naked eye, but like, yeah, uh, you know, s shocked minerals and things like that. But then there's the, the macroscopic, like, oh, there's a big bowl-shaped thing in the surface of the earth. That's a right, right. <laughs> that's but, evidence. But a lot of these are have been eroded down flat, um, but you mm. still have, um, you know, you still have the breaches there in the bedrock, and you still have the shatter cones that you can find. Um, and then another thing is um, um, high-pressure polymorphs of quartz. Um, so it's quartz that exists only under extremely high, high pressure events. Um, and this quartz is also often, uh, shocked, which I believe only happens in two scenarios, which are meteorite impacts, large meteorite impacts and, um, nuclear explosions. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, cool. So how big a, how big a rock do you need to make a pretty big? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
so most uh, meteorites do not form craters um, m for a couple reasons. Um, meteorites lose most of their mass as they travel through the atmosphere. Mm. Um, usually a good rule is about 95%. Wow. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so what you start with is not what hits, hits the earth, luckily for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they also lose a lot of speed as they travel through the atmosphere as well. Um, so by the time most um, meteorites hit earth, they're traveling at terminal velocity, and they're just falling from the sky at 200 to 300 miles per hour, which is not enough force to, to produce a crater unless you have a really large uh, meteorite. Um, but the really big ones that do produce um, craters, um, they're so large that um, they're not slowed down to terminal velocity. They still uh, hit the surface of Earth with a, with a lot of speed and a lot of size. Hmm. Um, I don't know the um, like threshold to, to produce a crater. Seems like there's a real range of, range of sizes. Yeah, there to yeah. but the general idea is that the meteorite that hits, that leaves a crater, is about one tenth of the diameter. It's interesting because you think about the moon, which doesn't have, you know, a lot of gravitational force mm -hmm. attract. So, like, basically, things hitting the moon are just, it's the moon running into rocks, I guess. Yeah, that. Um, I guess we're doing the same. Thing, maybe been knocked <laughs> out of their orbit <laughs> by by yeah. collisions in, say, the asteroid belt or, or, or somewhere else, and then are on a collision course with another planet. But yeah. the gravity part's important, I think, with crater preservation on the moon, right? That's why the lunar surface has so many craters, because the weathering and erosion's, you know, not, not gravi there's no gravity driving that. Lack and of so all your, like, surface processes. And so yeah. though your rims are preserved, there's no slumping in. Of oh, you know right, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's a good, very good point. Sure. <laughs> 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 no, I was just thinking through all this. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, lack of like weather and atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, and tectonics. And tectonics. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a huge one. Yeah, <laughs> not as a dynamic of a place. Right. Uh, so, have we been hit? I'm sure we've been hit by a comet before in Earth's history. Yeah, I imagine we have. I, I don't know. I mean, um, there's. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't think there's anything that would keep us. This is just me working off the top of my head. Uh, I don't think there's anything that would protect us specifically from a, a comet that was yeah. uh, had yeah. the correct trajectory. Um, I'm sure if one was big enough, um, it would you know survive enough to, well, to hit. The in Earth. in the early formation of the solar system and planets, I mean, isn't that the theory of of the moon's existence? Is it was like we were hit by a comet or a meteorite, and uh, it sort of burst burst the moon basically from this like soft, uniform composition Earth, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that yeah, that's I think the leading idea of how how the moon was formed is that it was a um, huge impact, a huge impact between Earth and like a what's called a planetesimal or a planet proto planet, yeah. which is you know the, when these Planets are being formed, and um, you know, they're they're planetesimals, and they're colliding with other asteroids and planetesimals, and, and accreting more and more mass. Sometimes you get these two large bodies colliding together, and 
of something like the moon. And then I also thought of something. Um, and then in terms of comets, I, that's like one of the leading, or if not the leading theory of where water on Earth came oh from. Right. Was okay. mm. Yeah. Um, I thought there was yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. People talk about the dinosaur extinction with, you know, an, an impact, and I, I don't know, was that an asteroid or a comet? I mean, the cartoonists right? draw it both ways, but you know. It's yeah. Yeah. So that. <laughs> yeah. So that was a, a, a meteorite. Um, okay. Now. We can talk about. Yeah, that, that, that's that a good crater, segue. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, let, oh, let, me, let me just list oh, yeah. list some yeah. of these and Sorry. take take it where you will. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, famous crater. I just like got super into like you know looking at uh, famous craters around the world. Beringer Meteor Crater in Arizona. I think a lot of people have heard of. Fa super cool, interesting place. Um, I think it's forty nine thousand years old. A diameter of one point two kilometers. Oh. Doug, you just mentioned Very the dinosaur extinction. That's that's from the Chicxulub meteorite Chicxulub. impact oh, off okay. of the Yucatan, uh, Mexico, 64.9 million years ago. So that's the KT mm -hmm. boundary impact, right? That's right. So Cretaceous tertiary. Cretaceous tertiary. Boundary, um, that's buried by ocean sediment. But there's some geophysics techniques that show shed some light on, on that structure. Mm hmm uh, Wolf Creek, Australia is really famous. Um, not quite a, di a kilometer in diameter, 300,000 years old, very well preserved, sort of like Meteor Crater, kind of in the stable cratonic desert in Australia. And pretty young too, right? Yeah, young, yeah. Um, Manasikugan Crater in Canada. I never heard of this one, but I thought it was cool because they call it the Eye of Quebec. It's a sweet name. Yeah, sweet yeah, name. Good one. Fifth, fifth <laughs> largest meteorite impact crater it's in the huge. world mm. oh wow. 40 miles in diameter yeah wow. that's pretty big <laughs> massive that's massive um <laughs> chesapeake bay crater 35 million years mm -hmm. old 25 mile diameter discovered in 1990 it said mm. or yeah i remember said, when that the website i looked at <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. no i remember when that when the kind of i mean it was early in my geology career but yeah there are all these papers that came out yes or talks or whatever at southeast gsa's and like what? There was a crater there. Yeah, and I think it may. I'm totally guessing, but I think it may have something to do with Chesapeake Bay mm -hmm. being a big basin there. Yeah. I've heard something like that as well recently, and I can't remember where I'd heard that. But yeah, yeah I think you're correct. Like, um, responsible for the bay. Yeah, mm, that's yeah. super cool. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, well, there's a couple of things that are called craters that aren't craters that I thought we should mention. <laughs> One is Sunset Crater, which I've also been to in Arizona. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I was just Highly there. Highly recommend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've been there. I was there yeah, a couple weeks ago. Oh, you were? Yeah. Oh, cool. Super cool. It, yeah. It's a, actually, so Sunset Crater is not a crater. It's a cinder cone volcano. Um, you can walk up it. You right? can, yeah, you can walk around it's it. Really hard cool, to walk super up. cool lava tubes, cave. Caves, <laughs> lava yeah. tube caves. Yeah. Oh man, Did we got in big caves even on the meteorite. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so that's Sunset Crater. It's not a crater. Then Crater Lake in Oregon, not a crater. Right, right. Yeah. It's a collapsed volcano. Collapsed volcano. Okay. I had a friend text me the other day. It was Crater Lake is not. <laughs> a crater. <laughs> Wait. Does he feel like he got gypped? Oh. 
I, yeah, I don't. It was <laughs> sort of just. Yeah. Yeah. He just likes to text me random geology. Things, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Anything to add there, Ethan, with famous impact craters, or did I miss one? Um, there's a lot. But well, there. Yeah, there's a lot. There's okay. I'll, I'll mention a really cool one. Um, <laughs> it's called the the Reese Crater or the Rise Crater. Um, I don't know. I've only seen it in writing, but um, it's um in Germany, and uh, there's a town Nordlinger that was built in uh, the side of the crater, and all the buildings there are built with um. Um, impact breccia on the ground but it gets cooler than that (laughs) so this impact breccia um, the impact um, hit on a graphite deposit turned that graphite into millions of microscopic diamonds so there's what yeah (laughs) tens of thousands of tons of diamonds uh, in these buildings like a diamond city diamond city diamond city Uh, any building made out of graphite to turn diamond breccia i'm on board with uh, yeah i want to yeah, i'd there. love to go there did I we w- mention yeah. did we mention breccia uh, last month in the that was my just geologist say episode versus breccia uh, yeah, yeah so we did. our our listeners yeah. know what yeah. breccias are that's nice. right nice. <laughs> perfect remember. yeah they should remember go back <laughs> and <time>. listen <laughs> <laughs> okay um that is that's cool yeah yeah um and i think we have some some breccia from that crater in our collection. Okay. Um, oh, cool. We'll have to go back and see. Uh, might yeah. be from the Steinheim crater, which is another German one. Not sure. Um, Field also, trip. yeah. Field trip. Field trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Field trip. Definitely. Um, and a lot of these craters that we talk about um, are are really old, and they've been eroded down flat, and they may have been. Um, buried under more rocks and sediment and then re-exposed later so a lot of them aren't don't have that crater sure. shape anymore right but um you know we can use use our detective skills as geologists to that's right to find them awesome um okay let's get into how speaking of detective skills good segue H- how how we investigate these things what what about uh meteorite composition helps us um, differentiate them or classify them? Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, so and that depends on the type of meteorite as to, um, you know, the telltale signs, the clues that, that you look for. Um, and there's different ways to classify meteorites. Um, I guess the simple way is um, classifying them as, as stony iron or stony iron. Um, so, let's say stony meteorites look like, um, you know, earth rocks. They look like, especially on the outside, they, they can look a lot like, um, you know, crustal earth rocks. There's no metallic luster there necessarily. They're right. They, they'll have some um, iron and nickel in them, um, more than you'll find in crustal rocks, but you won't necessarily see it just by looking at it. Um, and then there's irons, which are... the shiny metallic ones um, these are believed to have formed in the cores of asteroids um, or planetesimals um, early in the solar system um, and these are also um, the meteorites that contain the Winman-Staten pattern um, mm. it's um, this beautiful 
um, cross-hatching, crisscrossing pattern of um, bands of iron nickel. Um, if you've seen pictures of it, it's, it's, it's just really pretty, yeah. kind of alien-looking. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, and it takes um, millions of years to form under high-pressure, high-temperature conditions um, that really are only found in, in cores of uh, celestial bodies. Yeah. So... And what about um, stony iron? And then stony irons are the most rare. Um, and I think under 1% of um, all meteorites are stony irons. And they're a mixture of, of the iron nickel um, that makes up uh, iron um, meteorites and the um, stony portion. Um, here in these, the stony portion are um, olivine crystals. Hmm. Um, olivine is the most common mineral of our mantle. Um, it's a magnesium iron silicate. Um, and it was thought for a long time that these palisites, which is this kind of stony iron meteorite, formed um, at the um, zone between the uh, mantle and the core of um, a large asteroid. Um, but now it's believed that they probably formed when an iron meteorite um, struck a, a larger asteroid or, or mm -hmm. protoplanet and um, kind of melted some of the iron into the mantle there. Wow. Oh, yeah. And then another way to categorize these is um, differentiated versus undifferentiated. Um, I don't know if you've talked about planetary differentiation or anything like that on the pod before. We have not. No. But, um, so when a um, planetary body gets large enough and hot enough, um, it can undergo um, melting. Um, to and when that happens, you have the um, heavier um, elements uh, sink to the center of the, the sphere, and the lighter elements kind of float out to the top. Um, it's a process that kind of still happens on a smaller scale through, through, um, um, through um, tectonics today. Right, um, differentiating layers. Yeah, yeah. So what, and then yeah, core mantle crust. That's exactly right. Yeah. Back to the cratons, right? Uh, like yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah, those are the light stuff that floated to the, the scum basically. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> we live on the scum <laughs> of so the you're earth. But <laughs> you're calling that differentiated? A yeah. Pr a yeah. Differentiated process. process. Yeah. So. Um, your irons would be differentiated, um, oh. your, s your stony irons, and um, some of your uh, stony meteorites, um, the ones called achontrites, which are basically the crustal rocks of asteroids, and um, some uh, from the moon, some from Mars. Um, and then you have a really interesting uh, kind of uh, meteorite, which is the undifferentiated meteorite. This is, um, these are also known as chondrites, which is a type of um, stony meteorite. It's the most common type of meteorite. I think they account for over 85% mm. of meteorites. Um, so these chondrites n were never incorporated into large planetary bodies that were large enough or hot enough to undergo differentiation. So they preserve um, the early conditions of the solar system. It's kind of like a snapshot frozen in time of um, the mm. very first things to form. In our so solar is those system. the elemental composition fairly uniform then there, or is it? So yeah, pr pretty uniform. I mean, there's some variation based on where 
um, in the solar system they formed because um, conditions um, can change somewhat the farther you get from, from the sun. Um, but it's the idea that these, the most primitive of these chondrites are the building blocks of the planets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is cool. Super cool. Yeah. I always kind of blew my mind that we could find meteorites from Mars and the moon. I don't know if, have ones been found from other planets like Mercury or? Um, as far as I know, not other planets, yeah. but um, scientists have, there, there's a group of meteorites called the HED meteorites that they've uh, believed um, come from the Vesta asteroid, which mm. is I one of the largest asteroids there is. And um, we even kind of, they map the surface, the surface of the asteroid and, and um, are able to tell wh which parts of the surface these meteorites oh come wow. from, which is cool. pretty cool. Oh. Yeah, so, I mean, just to rewind a bit back to what we said at the beginning as far as origin, like, so why, why, as why asteroid belts uh, between Mars and Jupiter are, are most of these things coming from? Why, why there? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, the idea is that um, the gravitational influence of Jupiter has um, kept these asteroids in the asteroid belt from combining into one planet or, or, or small planet, protoplanet, mm. something like that. Mm. Um, it's believed that you know much of the solar system, at least the inner solar system, had a lot more asteroids. Um, early on, but they were incorporated into planets okay. and moons and okay. things like that. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, oh. the, the, I mean, the rocky planets only go so far. They only go as far as Mars. And then I guess you yeah. have this asteroid belt of rocky stuff and then it's gaseous stuff. Yeah. Good. From yeah. there on out. Except for, right. except for moons, I guess, of, that got pulled into the bigger planets, right? Yeah. A lot of those are icy as well, though. Frozen. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. That's cool. Uh, cool. Did you have something? Uh, just before we go on. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to like circle back because we we're not got talking a about cars. Come on. Oh man. Well, see, now we are. <laughs> we had this little teaser about the Chicxulub. Okay, and then we like got off track. And yeah. I want us to go back, <laughs> and it does also relate to Karst, oh, right? Because there's cool. um, a ring of cenotes around the edge of that meteor crater. Cenotes oh. are your big, deep, water-filled like sinkholes. Um, in the Yucatan, especially. In the Yucatan, yeah. especially. But out in the ocean, like in the floor of the ocean, I believe, are these um, cenotes, and they correspond with the edge of the impact crater. Wow. So, cool. yay yeah. caves. <laughs> so, so, so cool. the, is but the idea there that the, maybe the impact fractured rock and I think maybe so. just like better conditions for cenote development? Or right, or like whatever. that created that pathway for like water to circulate through um, and because it's limestone or um, carbonates yeah. at the bottom of the ocean then like dissolves in that same ca cave karst process um, but I think like so the fractures though are the pathways that that water like exploited and that's because of the corresponding like crater underneath but yeah so we should like go back and like let Ethan talk about Chicxulub yeah. too. Well, I think we have okay. another field trip in order. Yeah, we do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Just diving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you want to say more about Chicxulub? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, well, it's it's pretty interesting. Did we mention that was the 
Um, there's a mass extinction event there. I the maybe glossed over it as the Cretaceous tertiary boundary. And yeah, um, yeah we should totally talk that, that was yeah. a mass extinction event. Was it 95% of living yeah. things were that sounds right. Yeah. obliterated? Yeah, yeah. At the KT mm-hmm. Is that right? boundary? Yeah. The dinosaur one? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if it was 95. I don't know if it was as high as the... Um, Ethan, we really got our facts straight earlier. here. I have, <laughs> se- I have 75. 75, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're just going to let it go, though. That's really well, nice did, of you. Yeah, I mean, I, sure. I had to look, I had to look at these notes here. <laughs> I knew it ended in the five. <laughs> um, yeah, dinosaurs. That was, that was the Chicxulub impact is credited with mm-hmm. dinosaur extinction and... Yeah. Yep. Yes, yes, that's right. Um, Darkened the planet and everything right, died. Yeah, just yeah. Except for the little mammals running around yeah. and insects. Right. Mice. Or, you know, cockroaches. Through. Yeah. The little tiny dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, it just shows you how uh, devastating these these impact events can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um like you said, it, it kicked up enough dust to, to basically blot out the sun, reflect the, the sunlight back into space, and created freezing conditions all over the Earth. And yeah, bad Don time. To dinosaurs be didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. I think Matt had asked you if that was a comet impact, um, perhaps, or if it was a meteor impact, and or meteor impact, and you said definitely meteor, and like you seemed like you knew. Well, yeah. How they figured that out. So. Or? It's believed that um, the meteorite that created uh, the Chicxulub structure or crater hit with so much force that it was almost entirely vaporized. Mm. Whoa. There's no big chunks of it that have been found. Mm. There's um, little tiny pieces, um, huh. and maybe um, only like a couple that um, researchers have found near the rim um, that match the chemistry of. Um, a, c- a chondrite meteorite. Hmm. Cool. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but so I think that, and and for a, for a long time, there was no um, remnants of of the meteorite found. Wow. Well, we we do see this sort of iridium layer around the Earth, right, at the Cretaceous tertiary boundary. Which, I mean, I think that was the first evidence for that that scientists pointed to for. Um, it being some type of impact oh. thing, and and then they found the U- the impact crater in the Yucatan and kind of matched that up with it. So I think the evidence, the iridium layer evidence, was there, was found way before the impact mm-hmm. crater. Yeah. Right. If I'm remembering that correctly. That's how I remember. It. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's let's bring this let's bring this to Kentucky. Um, mm. I have. 27 meteorites, I guess, found in Kentucky. Does that sound right, Ethan? Uh, Yeah, confirmed. Confirmed? Yeah. Uh, So there's a lot of counties that these landed in all all across the state. Bath County, one was found in 1902, 13 pounds. Mm. Um, McCreary, Pulaski County border found in 1919. This meteorite was a 54-pound fragment. Yikes. Uh, Callaway County, found in 1950, a 28-pound meteorite. So, Which, um, yeah. like, that sounds really big, but also it's a giant hunk of metal, right? So maybe it's not 
as big as it sounds off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. These irons can be, I mean, they're re- really dense. I think they're nine uh, grams per centimeter squared. Okay. Mm. Something like that. So yeah, n- yeah. These, these again, these didn't create, create a crater. Mm-hmm. They just yeah. Yeah. hit and landed in someone's field or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I'll just mention this, Ethan, and take it where you will. Uh, we have 230 samples here at the KGS in our display yes. case or other places uh, that have been generously donated by a few people. Um, meteorite specimens from worldwide, mm-hmm. from all over the, the earth, uh, as well as Kentucky locations. We have a we have a database. Did you work on that? Yeah, With yeah. Okay, um, that's and, one of the first and, things I worked on. Here. And an interactive map that I know. Did both of you guys work on? You worked yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah, I worked on that. Um, so I don't know. Say what you want about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So there's a few things there. Um, well, and I'll start with this. Uh, so you said 27 meteorites um, in the history of the state. It's actually been revised down a couple because some of those meteorites were actually fragments of, of one meteorite that, that that were found. So it's probably around 25. But either way, it goes to show just how rare these things are. Yeah. Um, but um yeah and we have a lot of them on display here we have most of the kentucky meteorites or portions of them on display uh, at the kgs lobby and um 230 um from all over the world uh we have meteorites from every continent um including um antarctica hmm. um we have uh, most groups of meteorites we have um Tektites also, which we haven't, which is something we haven't gotten into. Um, but we have uh, lunar, Martians, um, hmm. all, all, all sorts of meteorites in our collection. It's, we're really, really lucky to have that collection. And, um, it's, it's you know, I think, really, really good for students here at the university to, to I work recommend, with as well. Yeah, I recommend people come take a look. D- did you work with Warren Anderson on that? I did, did work yeah. with Warren Anderson on that. Yeah, I think he he acquired the collection. I think, and then um, we have a nice display in our lobby. Yeah, of them, and yeah, you can look at the interactive map too. Yeah, yeah, the interactive map. That is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think it's neat that these are found in Antarctica, Greenland, (laughs) the Sahara, because you know, obviously. You can see them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If there's a rock on the <laughs> ice surface, it's probably right. maybe a meteorite. Yeah, and once people started searching for them in, in um, Antarctica and Greenland, uh, Northwest Africa, or these really arid places, mm-hmm. the number of total meteorites uh, found it just exploded. Um, yeah. Wow. Because, you know, they're all right there. You can see them. They stick yeah. out. Uh, yeah. there's, there's no brush covering <laughs> them up. Yeah. You can yeah. just walk over and pluck them up and, <laughs> and then sell them online. But. Well, we haven't gotten into that part. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, I mean, there's people that do this yeah. professionally who, yeah. um, you know, uh, search all over these arid regions, and some of them chase um, meteorite impacts um, around the world, um, searching for them so they can collect them and sell them and make a career out of it. Yeah. So check out uh, the KGS interactive meteorite map it's really it's a really good culmination of the work you guys you guys did there um okay so 
back to craters or impact structures mm-hmm. in Kentucky. Let's. In, what do we have in Kentucky? Um, we have one confirmed meteorite impact structure and two spec areas speculated to be meteorite impacts. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's fair to say. Um, that confirmed one is is the Middlesboro mm-hmm. um, crater. We've mentioned Middlesboro in a few episodes. Just sort of, it's always Middlesboro, like always tangential to yeah, <laughs> our, other tangential our other topics <laughs> of the day. But yes, because we, we especially got into it with in the Cumberland Gap episode. Mm-hmm. But um, right, the town of Middlesboro sits in a meteorite impact crater. Yeah, yeah. There's a sign on maybe 25. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Come in there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. City built in the yeah. crater or something <laughs> like that. It has loose crater shape right it's been highly weathered but you if you look carefully and kind of imagine things it's <laughs> it's an odd shape of the landscape in southeastern kentucky um yeah, the, the geologic map is shows it really yeah. distinctly oh yeah, for sure and it's pretty easy to pick out on that um shatter cones found in rocks at, in middlesboro yes i believe so i mm-hmm. think so yeah um i think shocked quartz yes yes on that definitely um so, yes. The other two are Jephthah Knob in mm-hmm. Shelby County and a little structure in Versailles. That's yeah. right. Um, you probably know more about this than me, but I'll just say Jephthah Knob's interesting. Um, what's the circular faulting has been yeah, yeah. claimed to be, be around there? Yeah, so there's um, there's a lot of little pieces of evidence uh, for, for Jephthah Knob to... Uh, uh, form from uh, meteorite impact. Um, there's um, a central uplift in the middle, surrounded by a ring of uh, annular ring faults um, that are bisected by um, radial faults. So this is the general structure that you'll see in a lot of um, uh, complex impacts. Um, but you know, it's also missing some stuff too. There's no melt has been found. Um, it is heavily brecciated. But there's no shatter cones. There's um, some rocks around there heavily brecciated. Yeah, the whole central structure is, is oh. heavily brecciated. Okay. Yeah. I always um. tell people to to take a look at Jephthah Knob like from the west. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it definitely it more prominent. It, 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 it sticks out of the landscape a little more, a little better, and it, it is weird. Like it's f- kind of more or less flat Shelby County, mm-hmm. and then you've got this. Yeah. Hill sticking out. It's like, yeah. Oh, what's yeah. going on here? If you're yeah, driving something on happened. 65 from Louisville. 64. 64, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I get those mixed up. Yeah. yeah. 64 from Louisville. Yeah, right around the the distillery that's there. You uh-huh. can start seeing the, the knob. But yeah, from the other, from Lexington, it's not as obvious. Not as obvious. Yeah. Um, Versailles, uh, what's there? Ring faults were mapped. There's some car. There's karst in that. There's a lot of karst in that area, but I don't know. There, is there a surface expression of anything? I don't. If from what I understand, there. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think there's much one. There might yeah. be a, a little depression there, which also might be, be attributed to karst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and maybe the karst is associated. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That could be too. But yeah, on the geologic map, it's these map ring faults, and I don't right. really know. I assume the geologists who mapped that walked those creeks and saw faults. But with the Middlesboro crater, 
Um, I know, like, we've talked about ages of some of these other creators. Um, and, like, it's not on the Craton, like... So that somewhat constrains oh. age. Do we have any idea uh, yeah. how old Middlesbrough Crater is? Um, younger than Pennsylvania. No? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So That's it. Okay. Yeah. About, about 300 million years based on, um, you know, the, the, the rock um, formations that, that are d- affected by the structure. Yeah. And same and with Jephthanob. Yeah, Jephthanob yeah, and, yeah. and Versailles are, would be uh, late Ordovician, yeah. maybe earliest Silurian, uh, which would s- uh, 450 million years ago-ish. Cool. Okay. What's a few million there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're geologists. <laughs> uh, okay, Ethan, why don't you... Uh, Talk just uh, just briefly about your master's research and and stuff you're doing with meteorites. Uh, it's your project. Yeah, yeah. So um, see that that research actually came out of some work I was doing um, when I was working at the geological survey here. Um, so at that time, one of my um, one of the jobs I took on was to um, field. Um, public requests for meteorite um, identification uh, and education. Um, you have a lot of times people find strange rocks um, or man-made objects and um, want to know what they are, want to know if they are indeed meteorites. Um, when I was in my position, we were fielding maybe a couple of those a week on average. Hmm. Uh, most of those were turned out to be iron slag, which look-alike meteorites uh, in a lot of ways so it makes sense that people uh, often confuse the two um, but there were two um, requests that were quite different um, one was um, do you care if I get into those no, go right ahead. now yeah, the more specifics fine. of them because yeah. yeah the um, stories behind them are kind of interesting so um, one came in um, summer of 2021 it was from um, a young man named Quade Mott. Um, he was helping his uncle on his farm, his uncle's farm in um, Wilmore, Kentucky, mm-hmm. um, just just south of here, here in mm-hmm. Lexington. Um, and he went to wash his hands in a water barrel by a barn and saw this this big rock that was sitting there. Went to looked very strange to him. Went to pick it up. It was extremely heavy, um, and. Um, took it inside and cleaned it off a bit and it was um, highly magnetic um, he scraped uh, a little bit of uh, the outside off and, and saw the shiny interior and he thought this might be meteorite um, had no idea how long it had been there his uncle said it had been by the barn when he he bought the farm decades earlier mm. <laughs> yeah um, and then the other one that was a bit different um, was found in um, spring of 20 spring of last year spring of 2022 and that was from uh, another young man named Jonathan Baldwin he is a rock hound he hunts for rocks collects rocks sells them he's found some really cool rare specimens here in the state to fossils um, and rocks but um, as I'm sure we all know as geologists 
you can only store so many rocks in your house. <laughs> There's only so many shoe boxes. <laughs> that's why we, so that's why we hate to move. Boxes of rocks. Um, so he has a heap in his backyard of discards. Um, and he was discarding some rocks in there one day. A uh, magnet he keeps on his person fell in the pile. He went to pick it up. It had attracted to um, something he had, he had discarded earlier. He um, pulled that out. It was this small mass about, I don't know, the size of um, a uh, navel orange, like a, one of those candy mm-hmm. oranges. Um, again, tested it. It was magnetic. Um, so on the corners, it, it was very shiny. Um, so anyway, they contacted KGS, um, and we did some work on them to um, determine whether or not they were indeed meteorites, um, and it turned out that they both um, are <laughs> meteorites. Kentucky's two newest meteorites. <laughs> wow. Awesome. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty awesome. And then some of the work um, I have was doing on them um, here at KGS, um, I received an offer to um, continue that. Well, not an offer. I was, um, it was suggested that I apply to um, the university to continue my research on yeah. on um, these meteorites. Um, and that's turned into my uh, master's thesis work. Um, so yeah, right now um, I'm working on describing them uh, petrographically through the microscope. Um, and uh, I want to classify them, um, which I'm in the process of doing this summer, getting um, really uh, precise um, trace uh, element da- data on oh, them, cool. which, which I'll use to classify them. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and then I'll determine if they're new and unique or if they're related to other meteorites mm. uh, in the state that um, right. yeah, maybe fragments of. Yeah. Neat. That is that's super an cool. awesome right. project. Yeah. 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 I like the stories behind it too. Yeah, yeah. No, they're <laughs> always That's super interesting. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, just qu- I guess quickly, but um, if you find a rock and you think it's a meteorite, there are tests you have to do to really say yes or no. Yeah. It's a yeah. Um, so if it's uh, metallic, um, you're gonna, you you want to. Test it with a magnet, I guess, the mm-hmm. first thing you want to do. Um, uh, iron meteorites and uh, most stony iron meteorites will be highly um, magnetic. Um, they leave no streak um, on a streak plate, so on um, a porcelain tile, um, if, you, if you scrape it across there, um, it should leave little to no streak. Um, now the outside of these things may take on some corrosion, some iron oxidation, and those will leave a streak. So you'll you'll have to scrape down to the actual in to the inside r- of oh them. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and the inside of, of these irons should be um, highly reflective chrome-like metal. Um, and then, as for the the stony meteorites, um, I guess what you're really looking for is a fusion crust. Um, it's um, this crust that forms it as the uh, meteor travels through the atmosphere. Um, it takes on basically melted and um, rapidly cooled exterior. Um, so the fusion crust is kind of glassy, um, dark. It should have um, be covered in um, cracks 
from where it rapidly cooled and contracted. It leaves these crack marks like mud cracks, kind of. Um, and then uh, contact a geologist. Yeah. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of other tests, too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's like the yeah, cross-hatching. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. But yeah, for the, for the yeah, for that test specifically, you have to saw through it and, right, and yeah, acid yeah. etch it. Yeah, call like call that. Ethan. Call Ethan. Call Ethan. Yeah, yeah. bring it here. But yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's because we get we do get calls a lot. I imagine these stony meteorites are probably a lot harder to identify. Yeah, they're a lot harder yeah. to identify. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, you, you you're gonna have to have some knowledge of meteorites mm -hmm. to be able to tell if they are or are not stony meteorites. I sent you all a link before we came down here. It was a, a article from American Geophysical Union's magazine EOS. Oh yeah. It was yeah. about the magnetic test, <laughs> how you have to be careful with that. Yeah, and yeah this was news to me. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Your meteorite. <laughs> Get on it, Ethan. But that, no, if you, there's some types of, I guess, handheld magnetic tests that will ruin some of the characteristics you need to classify wow. the meteorite. So, um, and that's as much as I got into it. But yeah. But yeah, I, I should say we, we're not officially set up to ID meteorites. Right. So, um, you know, it can be kind of an expensive process if you do it yourself. And yeah, and that that's, sort a, that's thing, a very good know. point. Yeah. Um, yeah, to um, determine if they are indeed meteorites, it, it can require um, instruments that are very expensive to use. And so if to get these tested, um, yeah, it might cost you a pretty penny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Depending on where you go. Yeah, we don't charge for that. Uh, yeah, right. But we also <laughs> we're very careful about what we test for meteorites. I think you have to be, you'd have to be pretty certain that it was before we went through it. Yes, yeah. that, that that's correct. And you and um, geologists, um, well. People with backgrounds in these meteorites, or people have studied them a lot, can you you can tell a lot by um, photographs or even by um, looking at them as a hand specimen analysis. Um, you can discount, I'd say, ninety nine percent of um, suspected meteorite finds. Yeah, cool. meteor um, wrongs. Meteor wrongs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Arizona or somebody coined uh, <laughs> that term. But on <laughs> on that note, I think we should wrap up. Ethan's been really generous with his time. It's been great. Great guest. I, mean, yeah. I, I thought the last thing we should do is just why, why do we care about this? Why, why are they important? I mean, I, I, just, I just vaguely jotted down some things. I mean, it, the, it's just cool for one, right? But the intellect, intellectual curiosity kind of aside, right? We're talking about solar system history um, and, and processes on planets and mm -hmm. planet formation, yeah. um, how planets evolve, age and composition of planetary bodies, which you yeah. had mentioned already, um, extinctions, which you talked about. So piecing all that together, is it matters. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, um, and we get most of this only from me meteorites, yeah. studying meteorites. Um, you know, it gives a better idea of um, why planets form where they do, how planets form out of the early solar system, you know. Um, how our home planet came to be, be yeah. how it is, and that others that may, you know, how these processes may work in other solar systems right? as well. Very cool. Yeah. Ethan, thank you yeah. very much. Uh, thank you. Can and I just want to say real quick, uh, 
a few years ago, I w- or maybe less than that, I was looking for geology, um, earth science podcasts, and it was bleak out there. There was like <laughs> nothing, right? <laughs> and then you guys came along, and you do a great job here, and um, I, I'm a fan of the podcast, and um, I know hey a lot man, of, a lot of people you. around here are too, so you, oh, do, you guys cool. do a great job. Oh, thank oh, thanks you. A lot. Really yeah. appreciate that. Um, really appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's been a good one. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Right. Thank you. See you. Thank you. Thanks. This podcast was produced by the Kentucky Geological Survey at the University of Kentucky. Special thanks to Rebecca Frazier for technical support. If you have ideas for the show, email mcrawford at uky.edu. Thanks for listening. <laughs>